Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. B-Pod Studios. The Felger and Maz podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Are you ready for this? It's Felger and Matt. Oh, that's stupid, my uh, God. Oh. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Everybody, welcome to the show. Sorry for the late start. Operator error. Forgot to send the rundown. It's printed out right here. I just sometimes forget to present, and that's uh, it was one of those days. And then I dropped the phone for an hour, and the next thing you know, we're all sitting here with our thumbs up our ass. Boom! Here we go. My fault. My bad. Sorry. I was going to play uh, the great play-by-play cut from Zoe yesterday, complaining about the play calling at the end of the second quarter particularly enjoyed that call to the flat into the slant bubble hand dive handoff slant bitching about the play calling of bill o'brien and the patriots offense in the first half of that ball game yesterday and that's how i was going to get into it there we go Turn the ball downfield. two receivers right three left including henry and elliott staff Zappy looking that way, throws it to Elliott behind him and off his left hand. The ball caroms across the near sideline, incomplete. You got number 11, it runs about a 4-2-9. Turn him loose on a go route and just take a shot instead of just ramming your head into the flat, the slant, the flat, the bubble, the bubble, the flat, the handoff, the flat, the slant. Run a go route. Sorry. Okay, there we go. It's a way to get into Bill O'Brien out here on a big boy Tuesday because the Patriots are not just having a horrible offensive year. They're having, by some respects, a historically horrible offensive year. Uh, 
And uh, Greg Bedard from the Boston Sports Journal from our Tom Fred Tire Studios here. Hi, Greg. Hello. Hi. So uh, typically when you have that kind of offensive season, the offensive coordinator does not survive and the offense does not survive. Is this one of those cases where that should be the case or are there extenuating circumstances? I think it's entirely fair with what's gone on if if they look at that. I mean, I don't think uh, Bill O'Brien should be absolved of anything. Um, I think in general with the Patriots football operations, I think it behooves the crafts, especially where they are now, 2-10 and and where the offense is, is they need to go on a fact-finding mission uh, towards the end of the season, after the season. They need to figure out what's what. You know, I will say, I will echo um, what Bert said um, recently and on Sunday night about that there are people inside the building who wonder if Belichick has handcuffed O'Brien in terms of what he's able to do. Now, I'll just tell you, in my experience covering this team and covering the way they do, you know, head coach to the offense and things like that, that would somewhat surprise me. I, I, I think that... What would surprise you? I'm sorry. It would surprise me if Belichick was, during the game, you know, really clamping down on O'Brien. That's not really the way things have been done um, in these parts uh, for a very long time. And, and But I would think just watching the film and not knowing exactly how things are working behind the scenes, I would say that what I see is an offensive coordinator who has zero uh, anticipation that they are going to be able to execute anything as an offense. And to <laughs> me, to me, the biggest problems of this with this offense go to the assistant coaching staff. Um, you know, the offensive assistants specifically. I just think that that, that fell off a cliff when Josh, when Josh McDaniels left with a bunch of those staffers. They had nobody really ready to go, and it's completely fallen off to, you know, one, one person you know from inside the building. Um, we were texting, I think it was Sunday night, and, you know, they basically said, and I agree with this, that if you gave this collection to the 2021 coaching staff with Josh, Josh McDaniels, Carm Brasillo is the offensive line coach, Bo Hardigree is the, the, um, the uh, quarterback's coach, Mick Lombardi's the wide receivers coach, you know, and so on and so forth, that this offense would be light years better. It would be at least akin to what they did in 2021, that that's how far the assistant coaching staff has fallen off and, you know, to the point where they don't have their offensive line coach. And I just think the attention to detail in general on the offense, the attention to attention to detail and execution is just, I've, I've never seen it at levels like this. What what was it? How you just put that? If they call the play, there is zero expectation that they would be able to execute anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they couldn't. You know, you can't. You can't block it. You can't. You can't have any confidence that 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 a they're going to be able to block it, and b the receivers are going to be in the right place or or use the right techniques or what have you. That's that's where this offense is. Okay. After watching uh, and again, Yeoman's work. Uh, Seriously, uh, like uh, like hazard pay or whatever you call that for watching the game tape. What did it show? So uh, as far as Bailey Zappi, which I'm sure, you know, what you're getting into. Yeah. Uh, is it better than where Mac Jones was? Absolutely. Um, it, you know, it definitely was. I mean, it wasn't a ton better. But, you know, Zappi made some, some, some plays in this game, which we have not seen out of the quarterback position in some time. Um, you know, I thought he did some good things, um, you know, especially maneuvering in the pocket. He threw a couple, you know, in-breaking routes or, or you know, a couple out-breaking routes where, you know, we haven't seen Mac Jones have the confidence 
to do that in a long time. Um, I do think that he had some issues in this game, specifically with, um, you know, he. we know that he's physically limited. That's why he was drafted where he was. But I do think processing for Bailey Zappi is a weakness for him um, in terms of, you know, some of the 50-50 balls, which I absolutely hate. And, and I'm going to, you know, absolve Zappi a little bit of that and say it was just beaten into him by Matt Patricia, who loved those those passes for whatever reason. That was the whole offense last year. It was deep shots, 50-50 balls, and checkdowns. Um, I, I think he missed some other opportunities on those plays that were higher percentage. And I do think that Zappi, uh, he was responsible for some of the five sacks in the second half. I had him for two half sacks and a full sack. The, the five-second one was ridiculous i mean there were there were a bunch of problems on that play including at the least he has to just get rid of the ball he can't take a sack after five seconds you know this isn't western kentucky this is the nfl you're not holding the ball when you know when you run like a five three eight forty for five seconds behind the line it's just not going to happen okay when we talk some football with the big boy here greg bedard as we do every tuesday six one seven 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 nine zero ninety eight five so wrapping this all together greg let's say they had a quarterback that they believed in that they believed they could block it, that Bill O'Brien was allowed to run the offense that he wanted to run. Okay, so all restrictions are off, right? Whatever handcuffing Bill is doing on O'Brien, whatever handcuffing the lack of talent is doing to O'Brien, whatever handcuffing the lack of quarterback play or offensive line play is doing. So let's say all that stuff is functional. What would their offense be? Do you know what I mean? Like in an ideal world... What's their offense? I think their offense is, it would be middle of the road. Well, I don't necessarily mean that. What would it look like? Like, what would their, oh. be, like, what would be their identity? What would they do? You know? Okay. And, and, and again, so I say that because when I watch a, right, and it says all the time, but when I watch a Shanahan McVay LaFleur offense, I recognize it. I see mm-hmm. what they're trying to do with the motion and the stretch running and the counteraction to it. Like, I see it all. And when I see an Andy Reid offense, I see it, okay? And I see what they're trying to do. What would they be? So assuming that they had, you know, functional NFL-level coaching on the offensive line and receivers, uh, you know, I think, you know, what we saw this summer from Bill O'Brien was, and, and this is what I saw on the field. I saw, to me, what I saw was uh, remnants of the Patriots, the old Patriots offense, plus what Bill O'Brien ran in college we saw a lot of which is what rpos well rpos um a lot of motion we saw a lot of tempo this summer on the practice field where they were going no huddle and you know what's interesting from this game i don't know if you guys noticed this but when they did that in the second half and maybe maybe at halftime belichick was like fine go ahead run what you want to run i i would say what we saw in the second half was more like it i don't know if you noticed this but when they ran tempo zabby would give a dummy count, and then look to the sideline, and O'Brien was giving him hand signals. Well, that is a total college thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, pretty, if if it's Bill O'Brien those, has his dress, yeah. one of those postcards with, like, Britney Spears. And I mean, like, I freaking hate it. Every time, quarterback in the shotgun, yep. say, ready to snap the ball, he claps. Yep. Everybody stops and stands up mm-hmm. and looks at the sidelines. The coach holds up a picture of Daffy Duck. And then they get back into it, clap again, and snap the ball. I can't tell you how much I hate it. 
But they were doing. They were kind of doing that. They were kind of doing that in the second half. It was. Uh, it, it was interesting to watch, and I think that's what Bill O'Brien would like to do. I think he would like to play uh, faster, have a little bit more of his own control uh, of the offense, and you know, go from there. Okay. Good luck. I was gonna say. So I like as you ask. Do you want to give it? Who do you? Because the big picture question now is: You're going to draft a quarterback. Are you going to give him to Bill O'Brien? And this offense, you know, is that what you want? Is that what's best for the young player to give it to what I, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, Greg, it feels antiquated to me. You know, it, it, it just does. It doesn't feel like the direction of the league. I mean, other than Brady, who, who's had success with this offense? Right. I mean, you, you can make a case for that. You could also make a case for Bill O'Brien had Deshaun Watson in Houston and, Deshaun Watson played some pretty damn good ball for Bill O'Brien, you know. And now I do think they had a, they always had offensive line issues uh, in Houston. But I, I thought Deshaun Watson was. I mean, that's why the the Browns gave up what they gave up for him. You know how good he was. And so, if you wanted to make the case for Bill O'Brien that he could work with any quarterback and make his offense work, then I'm sure you know there are some people, probably Big Jim Murray, you will, you know, certainly Joe Murray would uh, take issue with his performance in Houston. But I thought there was enough there that with better personnel that you could say, okay, this looks like a modern offense with a modern quarterback, and you know you can you can do some things with it. I'm sorry, Maz, you were going to say? No, I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly don't remember. Okay, so we're going to pick it up with Greg Bedard here and his thoughts on the offense, the future of the offense. I think that's sort of – I think that's the crux of the matter right now. Uh, Belichick's gone. But is O'Brien, is the offense, are they going to carry forward with the, you know, again, the delineation of the Charlie Weiss, Josh McDaniels, Bill O'Brien offense? The, you know, the evolved form of it with the first or second overall pick. Is that what they're going to do to that young court? Is that the right thing to do? The right guy to coach it? The right system to put that player in? And where do they go from here? I guess that's just one thing to hit on. But you can talk about whatever you want with the big boy. Again, it's 617-779-0985. To you right after this. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 5-0. You're listening. I listen to you every day. To Felger and Matt. I think this is a moral law. On the Sports Hub. Name another situation where an offense looks yeah. this way and the coordinator keeps his job. Right. I mean, it's just you know, 99 well, times there's out of 100, one, uh, the, 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 the architect of an offense that puts up these kind of numbers is gone. Just real quickly, Bo, mm-hmm. I think he's works under different constrictions and restrictions and constrictions yep. than most offensive That's, coordinators work. So 
I look at Bill O'Brien. I won't look at him the same way I look at other coordinators because I think he's working with his hands cuffed a lot of times. And he, so? he, well, I've talked to people who, like, I've talked to people inside. I've talked to people inside the organization who feel like Bill O'Brien isn't allowed to run the offense that he that who, he brought in here. Who's running it? That Bill's Bill Bill basically tells him like this is what this is what I want this week this is what we're looking for and he works within those constraints. That's Bill Belichick all the way. Right and, there. Bill Belichick like has his fingers and, and, all and, over this. All like I mean, as recently as last night, I somebody said to me in defense of Bill O'Brien, like. Like, I don't think he's able to run everything that he learned as the head coach at Houston, as the head coach at Penn State, working at Alabama. Like, all of the newfangled stuff that's, you know, where the game is going, like some of that stuff, he's not able to run it to the level maybe he's learned to run it because of the restrictions here. And I think you can even see some of that, like, in the way that they started games early in the year against Miami, against Philadelphia, before the talent issue kind of got to a critical mass. The way they come out of the gate, you could see it. Like, you could see some of the ingenuity. You could see some of the rhythm and what they were doing all of that looks like it's gone now and i know that there are at least some people who feel like part of it's the restrictions bill's putting on them so there's that comment we played it a couple times yesterday greg referencing in the first segment about bill o'brien not being able to fully implement what he wants to implement is that enough for you to say you're okay with them staying and being the guy he's the guy and it's the offense that you're giving this young quarterback that's the question. It's a big one. I mean, <clears throat> it is. But to me, especially, and in, in this is the column that I wrote coming off the game, the bigger question is, you know, if you're the Crafts, do you look at a complete reset? I mean, do you entertain that? Don't you have to entertain that as stewards of the New England football team, as, you know, representative of the fans, representing your fans, considering where it's fallen to, how do you not at least talk to people? How do you you wait? So you telling me that after this team has fallen to two and ten, has been twenty nine and forty since Thanksgiving of twenty nineteen, that you're just going to conduct a search like Bill Belichick does for offensive coordinators and offensive linemen or offensive line coach? Call people you know. Yeah, that that is going to be how you decide who runs the franchise going forward, who runs your football team. I mean, to me, that's ridiculous. I think that if the Crafts are serious about their football team, they should, you know, get together with, first of all, they should be calling people anyways that that are available who know the inner workings like Josh McDaniels, John Robinson, um, you know, basically anybody who's been employed here. What's the problem? You know, where have we fallen off? What do you think we need to do? Where is the NFL going? Who should we be talking to as far as a GM candidate? Should we go with a strong GM? Should we go with a strong head coach again? How much power should we get? Get input from as many people as you, you can, and then as soon as the season ends, as soon as you make a decision on Bill Belichick, you should be requesting talking to the top people at the 49ers, the Eagles, the Chiefs, and bringing them in and you know at least getting information, a fact-finding mission about, like, all right, where – you know, how come you guys are doing so well? How come we've fallen behind? You know, what's your vision for a franchise? Like, forget the offensive coordinator to me is like decision number four or five. You ooh, know, going ooh, forward ooh, is ooh, what ooh, direction? Ooh, I disagree with that. I think it's like the second biggest thing you can do. Well, who's running the who's who's running football? Yeah, so I mean, I understand that, but who's I, picking the players? Someone who runs in conjunction with the guy running the offense. It, it has to be part and parcel. 
if if depending on the system you're running offensively, the GM has to be in lockstep with it. I almost start with the offensive coordinator or that. See, in my vision, it's the head coach, and it all sort of you know funnels off the head coach and the head coach's offense. That's why I would want an offensive guy. So, uh, but to me, it has to be built around a modern NFL offense slash passing game slash quarterback. And so, to me, it almost starts with the offensive scheme, and then everything goes off of that. See, to me, the, the first step that I would have is I am contacting um, the first guy on the list is Adam Peters, second in command in with the 49ers, uh, works in conjunction with John Lynch. He has been there with Shanahan. He has b- helped build that thing up mm-hmm. to where they are, mm-hmm. and I am bringing him in. And if I like him and I like his vision, I am hiring him and saying, do what you want to do. You know, who's the next, who's the guy under Shanahan, the next McVay, Mike McDaniel, uh-huh. who's the guy there? Yep. If you want to hire him, bring him in. You know, he runs the offense. You, you know, he, he picks the quarterback, you know, all that stuff. So to me, it's where are we going as a franchise? Number one, you know, and, and I, I want to talk to the best and brightest around the league. This is still a premier job in my opinion and i'm sure in many people's opinion and so i i I am open to anything i'm talking to the best and brightest around the league you know gms and head coaches whoever impresses me the most out of that and it could be gerard mayo at the end of the day then i am picking that guy whoever the best and brightest is and i am empowering them to shape the franchise all right let's grab some calls here for the big fella will in new hampshire go ahead will hey fellas happy fat boy tuesday i i just want to say that I am so sick of hearing the Patriots drafting Caleb Williams or Drake May. It is foolish for them to draft a quarterback when he has no one to throw to. What the Patriots need to do is draft Marvin Harrison Jr., and then they have all that $90 million cap space. Use that to get a Baker Mayfield if they want to spend about $16 million a year, two years, $32 million, or get a Kirk Cousins, and they want to overpay. Okay, I understand. I'll stop you there. That's one path. To me, I go the opposite way because there are, I think, so many. I'm and I'm, you know, I'll fully concede Marvin Harrison is special and can't miss and all of that. Every year, it feels like there's about ten guys that come out of the draft who can play. Definitely, you just can't find any of them. You you are incapable of drafting them. But look at every look at turn on any game, any team. It's like, oh yeah, that guy and that guy, yeah, and the Pats passed on that guy. Oh yeah, and he went. Last year when they took Tyquan Thornton. And that guy went to you. You drafted Nikhil Harry. And yeah, what about that guy? He was available when you took so-and-so. Like, they're all there. You just have to find someone to take them. So, I, it, so in other words, and believe me, I'm okay with signing a quarterback too. But eventually, ideally, you're going to have to draft the guy. I think it's easier to draft a receiver who can play in the second or third round probably than a quarterback. And believe me, I'm no big fan of drafting one overall. I think it's a horrible place to be. But. Be that as it may, here you are. And so I'm not doing that. I'm not drafting Harrison 2 and signing Baker Mayfield. I'm drafting the quarterback 2, providing he belongs to be there. Quarterback's got to come first. The receiver's useless without a quarterback. Useless. And so, again, I like, you know, the idea of a Baker Mayfield or someone to keep the seat warm, I don't mind that. Like, to me, that's not a bad way to go either. And 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 then when you... Oh, I mean, so by the way, I'll do both. Right, exactly. Because you, you want to let the kid develop anyway. Like, there's no point of rushing them if you don't need to rush them. 
But Harrison, that's the last thing I'm taking in the first round. Craig, I, are you taking a receiver first? Uh, no, not unless it was a finishing piece. I mean, you know, and I've heard Mike Lombardi say this countless times that Bill Walsh used to say, wide receiver is the last thing that you address on an offense. And, you know, to me, the the essential question is, and this might come from free so free agency is before the draft, okay? So the the first question is, how do we figure out the offensive line? First of all, we have to get a new line coach. Number one, that's the most important thing. Pay through the nose for a great offensive line coach. Number two, how are we filling the tackle positions? Can we sign? Is there somebody that we can throw bag at and he makes us better automatically at left tackle? If that's the case, then I am then I am entertaining the quarterback to see if if I'm if I'm going to be a crap show on the offensive line, I might go with the you know Penn State kid. Um, Alu Fasanu, who's you know supposedly the best tackle in the draft. Um, you know, hopefully the the quarterbacks check out, and you really like one of the two, and you're you're in position to do it. Um, but if not, I'm I'm going tackle because to me, you look at the Niners, the Eagles, the Lions, all the best teams now. They're the best teams on the offensive line. Stephen Plymouth, hi. Hey, how's it going? I just want to say that all these people, including a lot of people on your network losing sight of where we're at defensively and what Bill Belichick's specialty is. You want to dump Bill Belichick, you're dumping what he's averaging, what, 10, 12 points a game the last three weeks, one of the top three to five Ds in the league. So you want to fix both sides of the ball? Great. Dump Bill Belichick. But I think these people are clowns that want to dump Belichick. Uh, Who have they played these last three weeks? The Suck Giants? And last week against this overrated Chargers team, like come on, Steve. I hate to break it to you. There are a lot of really good defenses in the league. The whole the league's had a tremendous resurgence in defense, and I think the Pats have played good defense. But you're like one of ten teams that I could say that about. So it's really not anything special. It's not anything different. It's not going to differentiate you. the The elite teams are going to be there at the end. You look at the final eight, the final four. You know. Seven of those eight teams, three of those final four are going to have the the highest scoring offenses and the best quarterbacks. It's that's that's where it's at. I mean, it's striking. We gave the numbers yesterday. It's unbelievable. It hits you in the face like a shovel. For crying out loud, really? Again, of the sixteen top offenses in the league, based on scoring, fifteen of them are either in the playoffs or one game within one game of a playoff spot. And I'll tell you, you know, those teams might be paying, playing lower scoring games when you get to the playoffs. They're playing lower scoring games now. But that doesn't mean those teams aren't still winning. Those teams are still winning. Right, because offense becomes more important when it's hard to score. Not less important. They become more important. Now, do do I think that the, the defense is executing at a high level in recent weeks? Yes. But I do, like like Big Jim said, there are circumstances to this. And it, it, do you want to learn anything from the past couple of years? Like how, how, you know, there were people who thought they were going to go, you know, 10, 11 wins based off of last year when they only beat one starting quarterback. They've beaten, what, one starting quarterback this year, Josh Allen? Yeah. And that was because Mac Jones finally played out of his mind in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, you know, Gardner Minshew, Tommy DeVito. What you also have to factor in with what's going on in the defense is that these other teams come into the game and they're just like, they are so bad on offense, we don't have to do anything. Just try not to turn the ball over. Take the check downs. Like, you're not getting the full breadth of any of these teams offensively. And look, you know, th- this is why I rely on advanced analytics to look at some of this stuff. So, so it pierces through, you know, what the appearances are. The Patriots are 
11th in DVOA and offense, you know, both for the whole season and weighted, which they put a greater emphasis on what's been going on lately. They're only 11th in the league. I mean, that's not, you know, they're not the 85 Bears. They're 15th in point al- points allowed. I mean, how many teams are playing good defense? The Ravens are playing good defense. The Browns are like the best defense in the league. Jets. The Jets are a great defensive team. Steelers. The Niners are playing good defense. Wait, wait to see the way the Steelers play defense. They don't just get back and hold back bad. They turn the ball over and score like the the uh, the buck. I mean, how many teams are playing good defense? A lot. I mean, and how many unforced errors the Giants had, and then the Chargers this past weekend. I mean, how many balls did they drop? I had them for at least six drops. You know, that one tight end had one that would have iced the game with like four minutes left. It's really nothing special what they're doing on that side of the ball. Sorry to break it. And and certainly not a reason to keep Bill. I mean, that's what it it amazes me that 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 people, you know, the 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 reasons that they pull out for why they want to keep Bill, like about how, you know, it's going to be worse, worse than what, two and ten, worse than twenty nine and forty going back to twenty nineteen. Like nobody else could do that. Oh, there's plenty of guys who could do that. You I could do that. Yeah, Maz could do that. Uh, we're going to zip through uh, three up, three down, and get back to your calls and continue this discussion with you after the head. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. 5-0. Now more of Felger and Birds on the Sports Hub. And now, it's time for three up. Touchdown, Patriots! Two big throws on his drive by Mac Jones, your quarterback. What a throw on the skinny. I'll take more of this, please. Three down. Put a jacket on him. He don't want to be out here. Sit him down. With Greg Bedard from bostonsportsjournal.com. Three up. I know you're very results-oriented. I get that. Three down. It's a fail all around. Fail, fail, fail. On Belger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. It is now time for 3-Up, 3-Down with Brett Bedard, presented by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Enjoy the game with the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cask matured Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Are you cold? The sweater vest now? What? Are you cold? Anyone listening to you has has no idea what you're talking about. I I just slipped on my vest, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And he's always cold, Greg. Okay. You can can always tell, Greg, his nipples start poking through the shirt. (laughs) Listen! (laughs) Enjoy the game with the original trip. What are you, Zoe? Like every little thing, just like you're going to react to it? Or are you just going to like, uh, just sit there? For, just sit there for a second. Nope. Enjoy the game with the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cast matured Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Please drink responsibly. And I did just put on a sweater vest. Isn't that interesting? Listen. Oh, my God. Thank God we mentioned that. That'll, that'll get him ramped up out there. I don't like it. Felger yeah. put on a sweater vest. I thought it was interesting. Who cares? Me. Three up, three down. Doing them all at once. Three up. Three stars from this game, Greg. Uh, Christian Barmore. Same thing he's been doing. Jonathan Jones. Thought he was really good. Broke up some passes. David Andrews. I thought he was tremendous. Had one of his best run blocking games of the season. Again, hazard pay. I mean, thoughts and prayers. Last week's offensive film was much worse. It was much harder to get through. But to break down the center play, how the center played, in a 6 nothing. Seriously. You, that is, uh, seriously, a gold star there, big boy. Yes, Master. Team went scoreless. There should be no offensive players <laughs> on there, with all due respect, Greg. So, uh, believe it or not, I went Jonathan Jones first. 
Uh, Devin Godshaw, second, Barmore, third. I thought the interior of the defensive line was terrific in this game. And Jonathan Jones, they did a really nice job on Keenan Allen. He was primarily involved in that. Okay, three down, please. Uh, Michael Wenu. I I don't know. I had him for 11 minus uh, minus plays in this game. I don't know what the hell happened to him. Uh, 11? 11. 11. Wow. Um, He he was awful in this game. A week after he had the best offensive line performance – of the season, he must be sick. He must have caught that caught that bug that Dietrich Wise had, that Sean Wade had, because um, I've never seen him play like that. And it's not just him being at right tackle and um, uh, uh, what the, the, the edge guy um, for the Chargers, oh, Mac, uh, Khalil Mac. Like Khalil Mac's good, he ain't that good. Not well, normally a Wenu plays him to a stalemate at least, and he was he was awful in this game. Oh, and uh, Bailey Zappi was my number two. He was graded out similar to Mac Jones in a lot of games. I've had Mac Jones as one of my three down. You know, he people will say he didn't turn the ball over. Well, he almost did on, on the final drive a couple times. Um, you know, he was just okay. To like I said, he took some of the sacks. Um, you know, he he graded out negatively for me. And then um, third, you could choose between Trent Brown, who now we're at the uh, it's December. Now we monitor the give a crap factor for Trent Brown, <laughs> just like every other year. Something tells me it's low. Um, I, I do think he's he's hurt, but let's also talk about the special teams. You know, all the people who want Bill back because of his defense. How about his special teams, which freaking blow every single week? How many times is Berenger gonna like give crappy punts when they're in a field position game? You could make the argument special teams lost this game as much as the offense. They were like, I don't know, minus 20 on average compared to the Chargers. The Chargers whooped your ass on special teams, and you lost. Mass. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, number one. Sorry, pal. One play was the biggest play of the game for the Patriots. You let it go right through your hands. Gained 39 yards on his other play. Who cares? (laughs) But the game on the line, it went right through his fingers. You suck. Trent Brown, Parker, Devontae Parker, nine, nine targets, four catches, couldn't keep his feet in bounds. I'm not saying it was particularly easy. It wasn't that play. But he's relatively useless. It, that might have been Parker's best game as a Patriot. Man. It, it might have. That. Yes. And he still sucks. Yeah. Four he's catches. Three down. Yeah. False start. Okay. I'm just telling you, like, he was a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just yeah, uh, man. That, that's how bad it's gotten. You Exactly. You got nothing. He was their top receiver. I don't know what the numbers show, but was he their top receiver? Four catches. No, but was he, was he lead not, them in receiving? Uh, I think he did. I, what does that mean? I did want it to point out. It means he let him in receiving. Four catches, 64 yards. That led the team. This Ooh. is one game where I actually only had. <laughs> so, just saying. So, the route running with the receivers, which you talked about all year. Most games, there's four or five routes where I'm like, that's garbage. That's garbage. This game, there was only one. And and Devontae Parker actually had a route when he caught that 25-yard pass across the field. Okay. He came across the field and he nodded towards the post and 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 then he continued on his route. That gave him separation. Like when you run precise routes and you have a technique, you can gain separation. That's the first time I've seen that this season out of a Patriots receiver. Of course, like the next play or two plays later, there was a 50-50 ball down the left sideline, a jump ball where it just glanced off his hands. Yeah, he he, he jogged halfway down the field on that. If he got down there, he might have been in position to catch the ball. So you get some good, you get some bad. This is the Patriots receiving core. Okay, I promise your calls in our long commercial-free segment next, uh, over 20 minutes without a commercial interruption, so it's a good time to give us a jingle. And uh, I want to talk about just quickly, is Bill Belichick coaching himself 
out of job opportunities. We'll get to that after... Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding expectations, simplifying lives, and establishing legacies that last for generations. Leverage their exclusive network of experts to help achieve your personal and professional financial goals. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect to a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. So what? Um, Delger and Mass. Delger and Mass. I was so annoyed by this. So annoyed. 98.5 The Sports Hub. Who's going to want him at this point? That's the way he's handled this quarterback thing. Like, how do you, as an owner, sell him to your fan base? Right. I don't think you can make that, that... And you've already got the Panthers. Oh, we're looking for an offensive coach. Like, don't even think about Bill Belichick coming to Carolina. We're looking for an offensive coach. And you just wonder who's out there. The Buccaneers, I think, are one team that would do it. Does he want to follow Tom Brady's footsteps? Right. Does he want to follow the Tom Brady I career path? You're just going to hear more so, of like, right. well, Brady took him to the Super Bowl. You can't get him to the Super well, Bowl? Washington right. continues to be the one that makes the most sense if Ooh. that's what Josh Harris wants to do. I'm with you. I don't know what you would sell to your fan base. Listen, you know me. I, I think the world of Bill Belichick. He's the greatest coach I've ever seen in any sport. He is. But it doesn't mean he's the greatest right now. Okay? And yeah, there's a lot of things to question over the last two to three years and decisions, team building, right? The way he handles himself in front of the microphone. It's hard to sell there, right? And it's it's the yeah, the quarterback situation, the offensive coordinator situation, all of that. He's plus seventy years old. You know, that that to me is not good selling points to any fan base right there that's gonna get them excited. Before we go back to your phones, is it possible that Bill Belichick is coaching himself out of his next opportunity? Yes, and he's also he's he's also making it possible, more possible by the passing week, that his legacy in New England could end with him. I mean that you know that he, it could get so bad that the crafts are like, so why are we going to continue along with this? Why are we not going to look at a fresh start or at least at least entertain that? So, yeah, I think he's I think he's he's doing damage. I mean, you know, I think we talked about this off the air, but. Without using the Super Bowls, what's the case to be made for either keeping Bill Belichick here or hiring someplace else? What's what's the case that you make without using the Super Bowl titles? Anything, basically anything before 2019, you can't use. What's the case for Bill Belichick being the head of football operations and the head coach of your football team? Nothing he's done. It, it would it would be related to you and a you know one of your problems. Either you're desperate. You know, your organization is so irrelevant, so in need of credibility that you hire the name just to give you credibility because you're desperate. You're in such a bad spot. But that doesn't say anything about what Bill's done. It just says about where you are. Or in your case, you're just afraid. You're afraid of the him going somewhere and having success. If you're the crafts, you're afraid of not only pushing out Brady, but now pushing out Belichick and him having success. And now you look even worse. So you're scared. But there's no reason that Belichick's given you at all. There was other there, than his his past resume. There were successful franchises before Bill Belichick in this league, and there will be successful franchises after Bill Belichick in this league. So, I I personally so is Bill Belichick coaching himself out of his next job? I mean, he, he he's making it harder for the, the his new owner to sell him. That's for sure. Like, has a two and fifteen coach, has a two win football coach ever been rehired the very next year? 
at the top of the market? I mean, I have a hard time believing that. I mean, I, I just, in my mind's eye, you go 2-14 and 14 previously. You know, you have a two-win season. You're drafting in the top three. That coach gets fired and immediately lands on his feet with a premium job or a premium contract? 2-14 and 14 and 10, 10 and 23. I mean, I, I can't remember that ever happening. Maybe it has. I mean, I always look at it in these terms. If Tom Landry were available right now, you know, coming off at 3-13, and 13, would you hire him? I mean, so no one hired Landry, and I don't know if these guys wanted to keep going, but there was no market for Noel Landry, even Shula. Like, I don't know. Like, No, and it, and it doesn't, it doesn't. you know, the Brady comp, like immediately we look at Brady and say, well, Brady was 40-something. It, it's not the same. It's different. It's so because you look at Brady and say, can I get, you know, if I put a good team around him, can I get good decision making and I get 16 games? So but my final answer is, you know, watching it every day, we look at this and go, who would hire this guy? And it makes total sense. But, you know, there's going to be someone in another market who doesn't see it every day, doesn't know how bad it is with the nepotism, the way he's hired, the way he's managed the whole operation a team that has had nothing going for it for a generation that is desperate. So, again, I'm talking about, like, the Washingtons of the world or the Carolinas of the world or, you know, franchises. I say like that, Cardinals, Raiders, you know, I don't know who exactly fits that, but you know what I'm talking about, that is willing to ignore all of that and say, we need the jolt of credibility, and here comes Belichick. So I still think he's going to get a job. I still think he'll have a suitor, if not multiple suitors. But he is making it harder on himself by the day for that new owner to, you know, roll out the red carpet. We got Bill Belichick. Everybody, woo, yeah. Like, he just went 2-15 and 15 and ruined, like, completely decimated the franchise's quarterback situation. Anyway, back to your phones here, as promised. Thanks for hanging on. Nate in California. Go, Nate. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so, when I think about the way that Kraft set the stage for this season, right? He sent that email out to the season ticket holders, basically saying last year under Patricia and Judge was unacceptable. It's got to be better, right? So they launched this plan by bringing in O'Brien and Clem. You know, they're obviously Belichick guys, have a relationship with them. Okay. That hasn't panned out. Nate, get to the With point. the free agents, right? Nate. They have Myers. Nate. He left. I don't need the recap. What's the point? So if this year was the year that they were supposed to get back on track, they've done just the opposite. So with that in mind, I don't know how you don't go outside the organization and have an outside face name run the program. That's what I would do. Thanks for the call. That's why, because his comment line says it was a complete organizational failure, which is true, mm-hmm. which is sort of like, you know, the owner was in charge of the offensive coordinator. The coach has been in charge of this. Like everyone's been in charge of something. Matt Groh has been in charge of the personnel. Like, Who's done a good job from the owner on down? Nobody. Who's made the right calls? I mean, you could argue that the defense has kept it together. So, it, for the most part, it's lived up to its end of the bargain. For the right. most part. Yep. Like, good. No, so, no, no, go ahead. No, so, I, I mean, agree. so, like, you want to keep Gerard Mayo as a defensive coordinator? Like, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But it is an organizational failure, so why aren't you making major changes to the organization? I mean, we, so now we're talking about blowing it up. Yes, that's what I would do. I mean, look, I would do it too. I don't think they're going to. Pete in the car. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, hey, I know you guys don't like to cross sports, but in the name of what's in the best interest of the team, I think it's interesting to compare Red Auerbach and how he handled Bill Russell at the end of his career versus Brady, how Brady was handled by Belichick. <clears throat> Auerbach moved Russell into the head coaching position for the final three years of his career, 
and they won two NBA championships. Brady just wanted more say in the offense and to be paid accordingly, and Belichick stripped them of any talent around him and ran them out of town. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's true. Red operated with a, a lack of ego, or he put his ego to the side, and Red Aubrey had a massive ego. He did, but he understood that at the end of the day, the great player was worth more. <laughs> it was all about that guy. So what do I do to keep that guy? Not only am I going to give him a little bit more of a say, I'll let him run the whole thing, and I'll step aside. So like the complete opposite of what Belichick did. Totally. Now, look, I hate the, the, you know, the comparison to me doesn't work because of the, the difference in the sport and the difference in the era. But even so, the general approach, they, they bent for, Red, uh, for Bill Russell, right? They, they bent for him. They, they accommodated Bill Russell. Not these guys. Nope. No, sir. Because it's about the system, don't you see? I promise. Right back to your phones after Murray's 90 second times update. your money this basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100. For a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. B Pod Studios. The Felger Mass Podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Now, the show you'll be talking about. That was not me having an on. In therapy. Socks! Socks, socks, stupid socks. It's Felger and Mass, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. As promised, right back to your phones with Greg Bedard, hour number two of a Big Boy Tuesday. Derek in the car. Go ahead, Derek. Hi, yeah. To the point of building the team around um, taking the QB first overall. Uh, if you look at the top teams in the league right now, a lot of them had good foundations, got the QB in way after the fact. And mm-hmm. if you look at Bedard's point about bringing in the two, number two guy from San Fran, they had a good team for years despite the quarterback. And they slide in Mr. Irrelevant, and they're still a good team. You know, the same thing with the Rams, the Bucks, 
the Eagles even, the Chiefs, like they all had good foundations bringing the QB after the fact. And so I think if you start the other way around, you're looking for just an absolute mess. So, look, Derek, we've been over this. The teams that draft that quarterback first overall, historically, it, it doesn't work for whatever reason, meaning it doesn't end up in championships. Last team to draft that quarterback first overall to win a championship was the Colts with Peyton Manning in 98. So it's never happened this century. So I don't know if that's just bad luck, because certainly you'd say the Bengals got a guy and the Jags, I guess, got a guy. You know, to me, there's just something about when you get that bad, when you get that bad, no matter how great the quarterback is, it's still not enough because you're a, you just you never want to be in that spot. Okay, but now here you are. I so I'm not telling you don't draft a quarterback. You're going to have to draft a quarterback if you're sitting there one or two, and those are the two guys that are there. Consensus, you're going to have to draft them. I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm just telling you it's no place to be. It's nothing to celebrate. Another another benefit for you know what the caller what what Derek had to say, which I agree with, is. You know, following the San Francisco and Philadelphia model of the two lines and all that stuff, you know, you can make the argument that those teams don't lose a whole lot if their quarterbacks get injured. For example, the Eagles won a Super Bowl when their franchise quarterback got hurt. Why? Because they could run the ball. They had talent on the outside. You know, they could play a little defense. Um, The 49ers, you can make that argument that if Brock Purdy, if they have, I don't even know who their backup is. uh, Oh, it's uh, Sam Darnold. Um you know, or if they got Mac Jones next year, if the quarterback goes down, especially with the the p- proliferation of quarterback injuries that we're seeing, these teams are built so well that they can still compete for a championship with a backup. Let's put it another way. Are you more likely to find the next Patrick Mahomes or more likely to build a really good team that the ele- quarterback doesn't need to elevate, that you can elevate the quarterback. B. I mean, they're B. both hard. Mm-hmm. They're both hard. I'm going to tell you, like, either are easy. B. But, like, Mahomes is a once-in-a-generation guy. You're not going to get him, no matter where you're drafting. So isn't a safer path build up your offensive line, build up the outside receiving core, and then insert the quarterback into that? Yes. I mean, again, neither are easy. It's a narrow path either way. But, like, I sort of feel like that second thing is almost – more feasible. Well, those stud tackles usually that go like in the top five picks of the draft, they're more sure things, right? Definitely. Greg, like most Safer. of those guys don't flame out or look like busts. I mean, look, Greg mentioned this earlier, but the whole San Francisco thing, it's easy to look at them now. With Trent Williams, they're unbeatable. Mm-hmm. They've lost one game this year that he's played in. Okay, the other two losses came when he wasn't on the field and they couldn't protect the quarterback. So Brock Purdy turns into freaking Joe Montana knockoff when Williams is on the field. I, I I said this yesterday. I think I would take a tackle first. Okay. I know it sounds stupid. I would. I'm not going that far. If you have no quarterback and you're sitting there at one and two, and again, this is presuming that Caleb Williams and Drake May are really that, I, I, I'm not passing on the quarterback. I know. I'm not. I'm just telling you. It usually it just it's no place to be. It's nothing to celebrate. I know. I can't believe I'm saying this. I would trade down. I would add another pick. I'd get a tackle. Well, and you're, another... you're not worth talking. You two over there are not worth talking to. Oh, when, shame when it comes to on this. you. You're not worth talking to because you're not. No, that's, that's not true. With you and quarterbacks. Hold on. This is why we've ruled out. It's frankly offensive. This is why we've ruled out quarterbacks. Mur- Murray's okay. worse. Listen, we've ruled out quarterbacks because. What happens in the post game? In other words, they cry in their mom's lap. He's out. That wasn't just crying. He was... talks or doesn't talk to the media. 
He's out. Uh, he throws left-handed. That guy's out. It's not that he's a left. He's got an injury history. That guy's out. Yeah, that's he, fair. he puts his head in a towel at the end of the game. He's out. He's got an ugly girlfriend. He's out. <laughs> Just makes you question. Him. How he's many out. different? So, like, who? There, no one's in. He's under consideration. <laughs> Listen, it's a you guys are not worth talking to. I like this. Daniels out of LSU and this McCarthy. Now that I've seen the girlfriend, I could be talking to him. Wait till you look at. <laughs> wait till you take a deeper dive. You'll find something you don't like. Yep. I would take your quarterback later and take the tackle. Johnny Connecticut, right. go. Hey, Mike. Hey, I was wondering, Greg thought that if a, if they say they wanted to go towards a Shanahan or more like a Andy Reid offense, would Bill O'Brien be able to do that? I okay, mean, let me stop. No. Would, would you have Bill O'Brien coach that kind of offense? No. Didn't Matt Patricia just try that last yes. year? Not that uh, Bill O'Brien's better than Matt Patricia, I think. But no, no. If you're going to run that offense, why don't we bring in someone who's run that offense? Just a thought. Mm, I crazy. Yeah. Mm. No. Uh, photocopies work good. <laughs> YouTube videos. Bob and Needham, quick. Yeah, uh, very quick. Uh, if if Levy Smith got a second bite at the apple, I'm sure Belichick will too. So, um, and secondly, Greg, I'm on the same page with you. I have been for years. You start with the offensive line and you build out that way. Because okay, I- let me just stop you. So, so they're going to land. We're going to spend all season <laughs> uh, killing the quarterback. <laughs> no. What was the thing that we came up with? Put it in the can for the tra- Trojan man? Yeah, yeah. Take it in the can for the Trojan <laughs> Take man. Take it in the can for the Trojan man. What was the Drake May slogan we came up with? Oh, uh, I forget that one. Whatever. If there was one. Okay. We're tanking for Drake May. We're taking it in the can for Caleb Williams. Because of the chick, we're not using the pick. Okay. We're going to do all that all season long, talking about the quarterbacks, and then we're going to get at number two overall. We're going to take Harold Fenefessi from Penn State at left tackle. If I got the number one pick, I would take a quarterback. Number two, I'm out. Can you imagine if the Patriots hired Adam What? Maz, what? I would take Caleb Williams number one. Oh, wait a minute. So you reversed course on him. I never totally eliminated him. And That's one, not true. I, oh, I just, no, no, no. Now you're changing the argument. You were out. Like yes, you were out. When you were he out. cried in his mom's lap, you were out. I, that day I was. But yes. I changed the next day. I didn't hear that part. I said I would probably end up taking yeah, him number probably. one. Probably. Because you, you can't pass up at number one that kind of talent. Like uh, that I would have to do. I'm being serious. I would so, have so, to, I so, so now you're back in on Caleb Williams at number one. But <laughs> well, no, no, no. Either way, like if, he, if Drake May were to go first, I would take Caleb Williams second. Yes, I would. Okay. But if it's Drake May, I'm trading the pick. Other than his girlfriend, what's wrong with Drake May? Nothing. I just don't think he's very tough. I watched a little bit. I haven't seen a ton of him. Something about him doesn't fit. I I, I can't give you a concrete answer. I saw him throw this touchdown pass in a game they threw backpedaling off his back foot. Guy caught it great. In the NFL, he'd have gotten killed on that play. So I put no, people were raving about it. I put no stock in that play. He just doesn't feel big time to me. I don't like the QB lineage there. Trubisky went there. That's a bad sign. Horrible reason. Just an atrocious, atrocious reason. Like, my God. (laughs) I've been right about the Oregon quarterbacks. I would take a tackle. You wouldn't take Justin Herbert? No, he's a puss. Do you watch him? Yeah, he's a puss in the fourth quarter. When the money's on the line, Herbert craps his pants. When the money's on his line, Herbert lets loose in his drawers. Okay, so up until now, he's been a yes for you. 
No, not really. Yes, really. No, not yes, really. really. No. Yes, last year you said okay. I did. That cor- was the last year. Th- this year it's about filthy britches with that guy. Oh I'm my out. God, you're out with. So this is why you two are not worth talking. To. He's got the worst head coach in the. We've got a show to do today, Mike. Here. Not, not worth talking. <laughs> to. But what I was going to say was, can you imagine if the the crafts <laughs> brought in Adam Peters to run everything? You know the amount of people that would bring up. You traded up in that draft and took Trey Lance. And you're going to be the guy picking the next quarterback. So again, this the is the, this is the Niners' second in command to John yep. Lynch that uh, mm-hmm. Greg's talking about. Right. So there's that thing too, like with that guy. Look, you know what? I'll tell you what I'm going to do, just to be nice. <laughs> Don't do anything. I am going to refine, <laughs> refine my whole stance on quarterbacks, and I'll get back to you in a week. Okay. <laughs> Come up with a platform, Maz. I am. I'm going to come up with a platform that you can stick to. I'm serious. So I have reservations about all of them. Okay, I do. And if you're asking me if if I'm not if I'm not the number one pick where I get to decide, because what is the likelihood that you're going to get two guys coming out of the draft that are both going to be studs? It's low. The way I, this team is drafted? Like 5%. Well, but, it, but no, just go through it. When's the last time one, two, a quarterback were both good? Exactly. Like, so never, if, there's always Bledsoe Meyer. There's always Leaf Manning. Like, there's that second guy. And sometimes he goes first. This year, it's Stroud and Bryce Young. But the second guy always blows Mariota. Wilson. What is it? Lawrence Wilson. Okay, Lawrence, Zach Wilson, exactly. Mariota, so, uh, so, and uh, who was with Mariota? Is that Jamarcus Russell? It was Jameis. I mean, yeah, Jameis Winston and Wright's like, they both suck. Like, the odds are they're both going to suck. Exactly. And look, let's go back in Patriots history. It was Bledsoe Meyer. Meyer sucked. I believe I just said that. But oh, ahead. you did? Okay. Go ahead. It's all right. I wasn't paying attention. It's all right. Yeah, you're thinking about the kid's girlfriend. Probably. Go. So, look, if I get number one and I can take, because I think athletically Caleb Williams is superior. Okay, so fine. I'll allow for the immaturity issues. Maybe he could grow out of them. If I could get number one, I would take Caleb Williams. If I'm then, if I'm number two, and someone else is basically making the choice for me, unless it's Williams who slips to two, which I don't think is going to happen, I'm taking a tackle. I'm and I, I'm I just I don't. To me, it's pretty clear who the better athlete is of those two guys. Okay, but we're going to work on the platform underneath that mission statement. Correct. All right. Uh, 10 questions with the big boy coming your way right after this. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding expectations, simplifying lives, and establishing legacies that last for generations. Leverage their exclusive network of experts to help achieve your personal and professional financial goals. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect to a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. Now, more of Felger and Mad. Now, on, on, on the Sports Hub. You want the answer? You've got to ask the question. Do you have an opinion based on if you had to go with your gut, what, which way it would go? Uh, Sometimes you have to ask it over and over and over again. Why, 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 why? This is 10 Questions with Greg Bedard and Felger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, 10 questions, 10 minutes. we got to stay on time with the big boy. What do we got for buzzer options, Jimmy? Yeah, I'd like to talk about tanking. Uh, there's been a lot of talk recently about tanking. Tanking, you see? Tanking. Next. Useless. Useless. <laughs> oh. Yes, Felgren, Maz, and three-part harmony. I don't know. Thank you, Bill. Sorry, that wasn't good enough. Oh, Mr. Martyr. Point the pitcher for you. Or paint the picture. <laughs> Seriously, swallow hard. 
Enough said. Last one. Roller coaster <coughs> of suck. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> there it is. All right. Hit it, Jimmy. I don't know. Number 10, of all the blown calls at the end of the Chiefs-Packers game, what was the worst? Oh, the P.I. It was horrible. You climbed over the guy's back. It was awful. Seriously, the Miss P.I. That's as bad a call as you will ever see. Miss P.I. That was a straight-up mugging. A clo- it, There was a clothesline, and they don't call that. That was egregious. I thought... Sexual harassment. I thought the side judge there, the gal, giving him uh, the, you know, the out-of-bounds when... The defensive back wraps him up on the numbers and spins him around. And he was going backwards. And going back towards, backwards. Back towards I, the line of scrimmage. I, I, I hope that the side judge knew the rule and just didn't forget the rule in the moment. Because I thought it was that bad. The P.I. bad. I, I agree. It should have been P.I. The D-back was facing the ball, and he did make a play on the ball. Like, that's sort of uh, something that they point to. He looked like he was piggybacking him. Th- that being said, he did. <laughs> He did go for a ride before he got oh there. You know, I mean, that, that is true. Next. Sorry, that wasn't good enough. All right, after uh, games like that, and this is what I picked up yesterday with the every national year. commentary. Once again, you hear this, Greg, as you just said, every year that the league needs to, quote-unquote, do something about its officiating problem. Question. Do they, in fact, need to do something? And if so, what? No. Nothing is ever going to be perfect in that realm, ever. I don't care what system you have, something will get missed. Plus, the only way they're going to make it better is if the owners agree to pay a boatload of more money to make all these guys full-time, to do training around the clock, all that stuff. And those cheap bastards are never doing it. So it's never changing. I mean, the the only thing I would do wouldn't really affect the calls that we just talked about. I mean, at least not the, the PI one, which is have a guy in the booth who can judge it quickly and hit the button. Like that, I would do. But, uh, but you know, in a judgment call like P.I., you can't do anything. Uh, yes, the owners need to get together, tell these idiots. I just think it, it starts up front with you have to turn a blind eye to this offensive holding. I mean, the play at the near the end of overtime last night, I think, is proof of this. Like, you can't throw that. You're killing the game. Offense is down. The pass rushers are too talented. Getting the quarterbacks hurt. We start there. We're turning a blind eye to offensive holding. And if you call it, you go to prison. <laughs> uh, is there anything that they could do uh, other than make me the sky judge? Nothing else is going to work. Okay. Uh, I, I'm the only one that could fix it. I would have to be the sky judge. I would be quick. I would be decisive. It would have to be clear and obvious, or we're just going to keep playing. It would take a second. I'd usually get it right. And short of me, nothing else would work. The full-time stuff, I'm still not sure would work. The full time, there's The NBA refs are full-time. They get half the stuff wrong because it's impossible to officiate perfectly. The path, what has to be done is you have to lower your expectation that they get everything right. Sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's wrong. Bang, bang, plays, close calls. Sometimes you're going to get it. Sometimes you're not. And until you accept it, you're never going to be satisfied. That's the answer. It's got a little zappy in them. Or, or you could just make me the sky judge. Next. Add Trevor Lawrence to the list of starting quarterbacks who have gone down to injury this year. Rank in order the three most damaging injuries at that position to the league this year. Burrow, Rodgers, and Watson, because I think Lawrence will be back in a couple weeks. Rodgers, Burrow, and then Watson. But I would add Anthony Richardson, but, you know, Mm. because... 
It's an exciting young player. Like, we never really get to see him. Burrow, because he's the one guy that has the balls to go into Arrowhead and actually beat the Chiefs. That's number one. Number two is Rodgers, because that happened so quickly and killed the Jets season immediately. And then I'll go with Watson, because the Browns look like a contender. The defense looks legit, and now they're they're boned. So I go Rodgers, Burrow, just what Rodgers meant to the league. You know, they New York. I mean, come like, on. <laughs> massive East story. And us. One second, he's carrying the American flag, the fraud. You know, <laughs> either way, though, he's carrying the next thing. He's being carted off the field. Like, that was a freaking Killer. kick in the balls Killer. to the league. Then I'll go Burrow. Then I'll go Lawrence. Deshaun Watson sucked. This, I mean, he, the, like the he one was getting better. He was starting to play better. Yeah. Right. Just when he was starting to play better, he went down. I, I, I get it. But apparently this Lawrence thing isn't that bad. He might play Sunday. So it's not even a high ankle. No, they say it's a high ankle, but uh, Peterson said today we dodged a bullet. So all right, either way, Mac Jones is coming. This story's killing the league. Next, seriously, swallow hard. <laughs> Little Burt Breer over here. Do you want to finish what you were saying? As no. I wasn't talking over me. Go ahead. No, just speak. Just go. I talk, you talk. Just chime in. Are you ready? Yeah. The mm-hmm. chiming in doesn't work. <laughs> Number seven. Is there anything the league? Oh. Is there anything the league can do or should do to limit these injuries at quarterback? Not really, but I have three ideas for the future. Flags on the quarterback, two-hand touch sensors on their uniform, and limiting the amount of rushers the defense can bring at the quarterback. Are you serious about these things? I'm just saying these are ideas for the future down the road. No blitzes. Well, no, you could bring five, like a maximum of five. Wow. Wow. Uh, no, there isn't any really anything more that they could do. Although the hip drop tackle is, if you throw that in the list of you know that was uh, Ramondre Stevenson was a running back, but even so, that's one that's got to go. I'll repeat myself of my earlier answer. You're now going to turn a blind eye to holding. The pass rushers are too good. You get to hold. This is Murray. I think Murray's onto it. I think that's the path. I mean, I look. I I think when our kids are watching NFL football, they'll be watching quarterbacks with flags. Unfortunately. But start with a just a redefining of what offensive holding is and let them hold. Because you know, it's true. I, I think, especially since you can't practice anymore and you can't you know hit in training camp and all of this, the offensive line needs that a hell of a lot more than the defensive line. The defensive line is spin moves and hand grab. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. sure. You know, the, uh, the offensive line and they, the offensive line has to work together. The individual defensive pass rusher, it's almost like a skill position. You know what I mean? The the defensive pass rushers greater than the offensive lineman by far. Give the offensive line a chance. Loosen up holding. I think my best idea was the two-hand touch sensor. I mean, it's what they do in camp. That's your best idea? Yes, because then you can time it. There will be an electronic sensor. He's down. It's just like it's, it's an extension of training camp and seven-on-seven drills. Laser tag. Another yep. app or something? Yes. Next. Roller coaster of suck. Say what? That was Bill's roller coaster comment last week on Zappy. Number six, is Casey in trouble? I asked this again. For the Super Bowl, yes. For the AFC Championship, no, because everybody keeps getting hurt. And they have Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, but they're judged on the Super Bowl and nothing more because they have the best player in the league. So, yes, they're in trouble. No, I'm not falling for this. They're this generation's Patriots. You count them out, the next thing you know, they have another ring. I I agree. I can't count them out. It's probably going to go through Kansas City when it's all said and done. Look at the conference right now. It's setting up for them to win it again. So they'll have a bye. They'll have a tomato can game. It's like the Patriots. They're in trouble. It's like you get to play one real game, and then now the next thing you know, you're in the Super Bowl. There are better teams now. Next. 
Oh. Oh. Tool bag question. Who's the biggest tool bag stealer of all time? Roethlisberger. What'd you call him, Jim? Fat pervert. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I'm going Lynn Swan. I hated What Lynn a phony Swan. he is. Totally ballerina playing wide receiver. The walking burden to society that is Antonio Brown. Oh, that's a major tool bag there, Played too. Big time, yeah. That's horrible. They've had a few. He's a jack Former hammer. Patriot. Next. Useless. Uh, who's your favorite Steeler of all time? Mike Webster. You Best center of all center. time. So you. He picks a center. Oh, you got to be kidding so me. So good. Jack Lambert. I love Jack Lambert. He, to me, was like the, the poster boy for what a football player should be. Toothless and crazy. I want to pick him, but that's before my time. So I'll go Rod Woodson. I always liked Rod Woodson in the, the secondary for the Steelers. Did everybody love Rocky Blyer? Yeah, yeah, to a degree. Vietnam, Vietnam vet. War. Yeah, yep. like that whole thing. I did a book like, report on him once. I remember he was huge in the Felger house for some reason. Rocky Blyer. Oh, because my dad's name Rocky. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Either way, Rocky <laughs> that might Blyer. Be it. Next. Sorry, that wasn't good enough. Mr. Martyr. What's your favorite Patriots Steelers game of all time? 2015 regular season when uh, the radio broadcast was in the Steelers' headset. And then Tom, <laughs> he had Zoe in his headset during the game that and complained good, about it after the game. That was fun. We were listening to the Patriots radio network. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe. They had Zoe going to plays. Uh, I went the 2001 AFC Championship. It's hard to get over that. But close second, that uh, 2017 regular season game, the Jesse James game where he was called yeah. for the – but play at the goal line. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a great game. There's a lot of great ones. That one, 0-1, the 96th divisional game in the fog. But my favorite is the 0-4 ass-kicking. Yeah, the AFC Championship game. Steelers are 15-1. Patriots are the better team. They just ripped their souls out. I love that game. 0-1 with a bullet. Next. I don't know. Okay, what would you rather be? A Patriots fan or a Steelers fan? And I'm talking for your lifetime. Like, for example, I'm going to give you a 50-year sample. Would you rather have been a fan of the Steelers from 1972 to 2022 or a fan of the Patriots from 72 to 22? It, it, obviously, it's close. I went with the Steelers just because I think there was more consistency over the, the entire time that they were more competitive and had a chance every year. Pittsburgh. Patriots. It was, you know, it's better quarterback play. And when they were winning, it's the best of both worlds. They did it defensively, and then they were doing it offensively in the latter half of that. I know, look, there was dips. The 80s were mostly terrible, but they did make a Super Bowl, and the 90s weren't so bad for the Pats. I love this question to the point where we're going to pick it up tomorrow and, like, spend some more time on it. But, you know, obviously the Patriots had a better singular run. Right. And had, you know, the greatest player of the conversation in Brady. And it was certainly uh, uh, the 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 core of the run was greater you're just talking overall consistency well i'm talking if you're you know if you're a 60 year old man and you got to enjoy 50 years of your team you know here's how it breaks down since 1972 they each have six titles the patriots went to 11 super bowls the steelers went to eight they both went to 15 conference title games but here's what's different the steelers had 32 playoff seasons out of 50 That's exceptional. 32 out of 50. The Patriots, 27 out of 50. Losing seasons. The Pats have had 14 losing seasons in the last 50 50 years. The Steelers, only seven. So it's like, to be a Steeler fan, you've had far fewer throwaway seasons. And at the end of the day, the same amount of titles. Not quite the same amount of Super Bowl appearances, but more playoff appearances. 
You know, I'd rather be a Steelers fan. I'd, I'd, I'd rather have that steal. I would, you know, I'll, I'll take both, obviously. But there, there, there's something to be said for the, you know, decade after decade consistency of the Steelers. Definitely. Which you have not proven yet. You know, you have a chance to now. But let's see what you are post your dynasty. The Steelers are still the Steelers post their dynasty. Are you still the Patriots? Not so far. So let's see how that plays out. But I like that question. If I do say so myself. Next. <laughs> we were listening to the Patriots radio broadcast. There it nice. is. Renegade or Josie? Renegade. Just a better pump-up song. Josie. What? They're both terrible songs. But oh, I'm Renegade. Yes. Renegade's ballsy. I'm Would going with Renegade because Styx has a good catalog. The Elfield stinks. It was a one-hit wonder. I don't know. The Josie thing's taken on a meaning with Zoe mm-hmm. and everything else. I, I've gone Josie. Isn't Josie a little shady, too? It's a little oh, shady. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I like my girls a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Like, yeah. Yeah. I like my girls a little bit older. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, but still, he's milf hunting. Little, it's shady. I mean, come on. What's wrong with that? Or the one he's with is a little young. I like. Yeah. I, I haven't really That's broken it down. It. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm going Josie totally. Okay, well, you would. <laughs> uh, back to your phones and your thoughts right after Murray's update. Roller coaster <coughs> of suck. Say what? <coughs> Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, an infant formula company on a mission to get a lot closer to the most super, super food on the planet, breast milk. Our patented protein blend has more of the important and most abundant proteins actually found in breast milk. We're the first and only U.S.-made formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. We even conducted the largest clinical trial by a new infant formula company in a quarter century with clinically proven benefits like easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus a leading infant formula. And we make our own formula in the USA and our very own factories in Iowa, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. It's Felger and Oh, and don't forget Murray on the Sports Hub. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know, I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to you use your love. Tonight. This over Renegade? What's wrong with a one-night stand with an older chick? So if I'm hearing that right, that line is, I would just want to use your love tonight. Right. And then he's just going to throw it out in the street. So it is kind of a creepy song. Yeah, but with an older woman. She knows what she's getting into. That's all fair. (laughs) Either way, back to your phones. It's not like she doesn't get something out of it, too. Tom and Quincy. Go ahead, Tom. What do you got? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, uh, first of all, Renegade by a mile, Mavs. Come on. Um, you guys, could it be argued that with the, the state of the offense of the Pats right now, I mean, could it be argued that they could essentially move on from just about every single starting offensive player minus maybe Andrews and a Wenyu? Because I, I don't see anything in the horizon that's going to make this team any better. So, I mean, could you essentially move on from them? And if you can, who is a possibility that they can actually just walk away Okay, your thoughts? Uh, good question. Um, sorry, I was just trying to pull up my my column that I wrote recently because I looked at the depth chart coming up. 
Um, I don't think they can get rid of Juju after this season. Oh, I, I really don't think so. I don't know about – I mean, yes, you can, Mike. It depends who's in charge because you know Bill's not going to do it. You know, he's not just going to walk away because Isn't of the Isn't that cap. an ownership That's, call, whether they swallow guaranteed money or not? You also need a, 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 a head of football operations who thinks about the salary cap in, in an advanced way. And Bill's just in the Stone Age. He is. The dead cap hit's not that big. Would you stop? $12 million bucks. It's all about whether the owner is willing to guarantee money for a guy and then still pay him when he walks out the door. Is the owner going to say, well, we... We're on the hook for $8 million guaranteed anyway. We might as well keep them. Like, that's that's an ownership call. Uh, and I, you know, so I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm That's just, when, but, it come, when it comes to real money, that goes to ownership. Hey, how many guys are really worth keeping, though, on the offense? A couple? A Wenu? Demario Douglas. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all. That one, you know, I mean. I'm yeah, saying. I'd keep Bourne. I'd keep a Wenu. I'd yep. keep, but uh, you have to keep. So you have to keep Strange, not because, like, the contract or anything, but. A young player, hopefully there's still some upside with better coaching. Maybe you get more out of, you know, like that sort of thing. I'd get rid of him. I think you have to keep Hunter Henry because, <laughs> I, I you know, what are you going to do? I would not get rid position. of Cole Strange. Okay, I'm sorry, Hunter Henry? I think you have to keep Hunter Henry because, you he's know, all, all three of them, uh, yeah, I I think he's fine. And who are you going to bring in, you know, to, to, to be your starting tight end next year? I mean, considering you didn't draft anybody the last two years to get ready. So... Yeah, I mean, I think those are the those are the building blocks of winning. You're going to have to pay through the nose, um, but I would do that. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what they do at center. I mean, I, I would love to have David Andrews back, but they drafted Jake Andrews. They drafted Antonio Maffi. They drafted City So. So, you know, those guys have to play at some point. Here's uh, Bob and Pembroke. Hi, Bob. Yes, uh, a couple of quick questions for Greg Bedard. Um with all this talk about Belichick, is it a fait accompli that Belichick is gone, or might there be a hidden financial or contractual obligation that's going to keep him here, which would kill me? My second question is, when it comes to the draft pick, um, you know, and they're going to be drafting probably at two, in your opinion, do they gamble at quarterback, which is a gamble, or do you take a surefire to me, um, All-Star and Marvin Harrison. Jr. Okay, Bob, we, I'm just going to cut you off. We talked about that earlier. It's just a bigger, bigger conversation. Greg Bedard actually said neither. He said tackle. Mm-hmm. If it's not the quarterback, not Harrison. So that's answering the second question. First one, is it a fait accompli that Bill's gone? And how big of a factor is the contract? It is not because we don't know any what's in the contract. We don't know what the language is. We don't know what the offset is. We don't know what you know is exactly laid out for Bill. So, you know, do I think it's it's definite that he's gone? No, of course not. Um, you know, but I, I think that most people around the team think that that's going to happen. Okay. I think it's a definite. And I think the contract is at play. It's going to – either they're going to come to an agreement and, you know, compromise on the contract, or it's going to lead to a drawn-out process, another border war, another staring match. Uh, and so I can't tell which way that second thing's going to go. But I think he's gone, and as usual, the contract's going to be a factor because it almost always is a factor with these guys. So that's how I would answer that. We just need to see how that plays out. I, I, I can't predict that. Uh, here's Andre and Woburn. Go ahead, Andre, on that very question. Yeah, how you guys doing? Uh, first time call, long time listen. I'll make it quick. I'm just going to tell you guys what the past got to do, man. They got to they gotta either trade back that second pick, get like the third or the fourth, draft Marvin Harrison Jr., 
and then pick up Michael Penix Jr. in the second round or if he falls to the third somehow. But that's all I got to say, guys, all right? Okay, and, Andre, uh, Jim, sorry, sorry for your loss, man. My condolences. Thanks, Take Andre. care. Appreciate it. Thanks, Andre. So another guy, take Harrison and, the, and then take the quarterback later. Does Penix last to the second round? I mean, we haven't gotten into all of this, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, Maz, you just watched him. Penix? Yep. Look, he's got, I mean, he's pretty accurate. He's pretty good. He's got a strong arm. Like, there's a lot to like there. I don't like his throwing mechanics. I, this got nothing to do. Murray doesn't like the fact that he's left-handed. And he's he, got a crazy injury history. He, yeah. he kind of throws the ball from here. Like, he, he throws the ball almost sidearm. It's more like three quarters. Like a waiter with a tray. Yeah, it's just it, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't look right. It's not from behind the ear? No, he's not, he's not up here. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. just doesn't. Now, he's got a strong arm, and he was really accurate in the Oregon game. He sucked in the Apple Cup. Here, here's the essential question for me, and this goes for the whole franchise, is the Patriots have the second overall pick in the draft. Do you want Bill Belichick making the decision on that pick? No. No. Me either. And I don't want them handing that quarterback into the Bill O'Brien, Josh McDaniels. I don't want Bill O'Brien and the Patriot that offense being what he comes into. I would start new on that side of the ball. You want to tell me you want to keep Mayo as your defensive coordinator or something, and, and there's some somebody in the organization that can offer some evaluation to the new guy on what they already have. Fine. You know, I, I'm not totally against Mayo as the head coach, but I generally agree with the premise of offense. So the offensive side should be blown out. Blown out. Last uh, segment of Greg and your thoughts and calls with the big boy right after this. Now, now. Belger and Maz continues. How do you go about handling the pressure and not making something too big where that you know it becomes a hindrance? Yeah, I mean, um, control what you can control. So it's you know that's what we say around here, I guess. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not really big into those things. Like, I'm really cool, calm, and collected. That's kind of how you know my dad, you know, brought me up. My my mom brought me up, so I don't really try to dive into. You know, trying to overwhelm myself or anything like that. I try to control what I can control, and whatever my read is, I try to do my read. And if something happens and I, you know, make a mistake, I try to go back and learn from it. Um, you know, I try to really not dive into it and ride the roller coaster. I just try to stay, you know, level. Again, it's a roller coaster. So obviously. <laughs> Because Belichick says that last week. Yeah, right. So now Mac Jones picks up on it. Excuse me. Bailey Zappi picks up on it. It's a campaign. Clearly taking shots there at Mac Jones and his roller coaster nature. Roller coaster. <laughs> oh, so say what? <laughs> coaster. <laughs> roller coaster. Oh, so say what? Roller coaster. <laughs> Kids a basket case. The highs are high, the lows are low. Hey, Mac Jones is a basket case. Yeah. But how about Bailey Zappi? Oh no, he loves himself. Now piling on, that's piling on. That's a subtle form of Bailey Zappi piling on the Mac Jones roller coaster. That's why Jones hates him. Why calling himself cool, calm, and collected? Mm-hmm. But Dard, your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, this guy, he is he is something else. He's got a lot of confidence. This is a guy who, mind you, looking at PFS. PFF, his 
his career stats under pressure. He is 7 of 18. That would be 38.9% for 81 yards. And he's been sacked a boatload of times. I know, you know, he was sacked five times this past weekend. I mean, yeah, okay, you're Joe Montana. I mean, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. Seriously, you know who loves Bailey's happy? Bailey's happy. Oh, my God, does he ever. Wow, talk about someone who wants to give himself a tongue bath. And my mom. Holy crap. And my mom. She's the one that told me about that calm, cool reasoning. She's the one that told me about that. That's the way I was raised. Yeah. She watched the Brady Bunch. Learned that lesson from you know Mr. What? Brady. I was raised that way, too. I, wa- I was. I was raised to be calm, cool, and collected. Uh, it didn't quite stick. No, no. I'm <laughs> yeah. a complete mental case. Nope. I'm a complete mental case. It didn't work. <laughs> Can you imagine if he won or penetrated the 28-yard line know, right. against one of the worst defenses in the league? If he acted I mean, like this, holy cow. If he acted like this last year, you could kind of get yep. it. Yep. This year, you got cut at one point. You suck so bad. This guy clearly has never taken a big, deep breath when he's left the bathroom because he thinks he's pooping ice cream. He thinks he is crapping ice cream, man. This guy does not smell it. <laughs> Did not know where you were going with that, but it became clear. But how do you like him piling on the roller coaster comment? Like just rubbing it in to Mac Jones. He thinks he's good. Do you guys still watch it? Do you, do you still watch these guys on the sidelines? I've I've heard Zoe talk about like they still they still clearly hate each other. Mm-hmm. They barely look at each other. They barely talk to each other. Mac Jones does not sort of, I can't remember exactly how he put it, but something like, you know, the quarterbacks run out to the field as one, but they don't run the whole way. Like Mac Jones sort of stops at some point and lets Bailey Zappi run by himself because he can't, doesn't even want to jog with the guy. Like, again, I'm sort of, I'm trying to piece that together. I think that's what Zoe said, something like that. Like the body language thing is still clearly that they don't, they Mac barely... Jones has an arrogance to himself where he doesn't think Bailey Zappi's in his league at all and doesn't want to be associated with him. Uh, socialize with him, doesn't want him even in the same room. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, I watched them a lot on the sideline this past weekend, and there's there's still nothing. There's just, there's not very much of a relationship. I know he talked him up, you know, uh, across the street or whatever, but it's a bunch of bull, bull crap in my mind. They both think the other guy sucks, and they're both right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. He says, I, I don't like going. Bill brings up the roller coaster thing last week, and this week Zappy's like, yep, no, no, I don't get on that roller coaster. Wow. Oh, t- he, again, and the other part of that is, aside from being a shot at Jones, he heard Bill say it about him, and he's like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's who right. I am. That's it. That's how my yeah, mama taught me. That's, that's me, Print brother. the T-shirts. All yeah. right. T- give, me, uh, give me 90 seconds. I don't know if it deserves much more than that. On Patriots Steelers there, Greg. If, no, the Patriots, no. <laughs> if the Patriots get tackle play like they did last week, Bailey Zappi is going to get stuffed in a locker by T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith in this yes. game, let alone Cole Strange against Cam Hayward in this game. I mean, you know, good luck. I mean, this. I'm hoping that Malik Cunningham gets an extended look because basically both teams, with Mitch Trubisky and Malik Cunningham, both teams should run the single wing in this game and just run the ball because they are offensive to the NFL passing offense. <laughs> So you've been very critical of the former offensive coordinator of Canada there in the past. Yes. Who is the new guy? Have you seen any difference? And I, I don't even know if you've looked, but I have not looked, and they they stink. I Who's mean, there's the, the I, there's two of them. They put two interim guys in charge. Oh, that usually works. Oh, so their OC situations like the quarterback situation here, or your offensive coordinator situation last year. Well, I was going to say both OCs suck there. Both quarterbacks suck here. It should be a good one. Should be a suck fest.
What's the over-under? Isn't it like the lowest? 30 and a half. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, this game. This, <laughs> this is the game that's going to kill Al Michaels. <laughs> this is the this is going to be like the playoff game they had that year where we're seven to six. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. This is, it's going to yeah, be one of those. Good job, Bledsoe. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. No, really, it should be a, this should be a peach. Okay, so I said ninety seconds. I needed like two minutes. You got thirty more seconds on the game for me, Greg? Uh, well, oh, I will. I, I did a podcast uh, in Pittsburgh the other day. Uh, there's a lot of people chiming in about Mike Tomlin's future, and you know about whether he he's still the guy to go forward. And they're going with the whole thing about like, do they need an offensive head coach? Like, you know, mm-hmm. could the Steelers be looking at? you know, possibly, you know, inviting that. Because they've always done it the same way, pretty much from the get-go, from Noel to Coward to Tomlin. So, uh, you know, there's Tomlin's job somewhat could be on the line this season. You know, well, I don't believe it, but we'll see. Are they set a quarterback or are they going to go back into the draft on that? I'm not even looking at you, Murray. They'll go back You the know that Pickett stinks. Don't, don't, don't. Thumb your nose at me. I'm thumbing my nose. I'm not even taking your opinion Pick it on it. stinks. We can all agree <laughs> on Go that. ahead, Greg. Your thoughts. I, they, they have to keep looking at quarterback. Yeah. See? It's the number 28 offense in the league against the number 32 offense in the league this week. This should be a humdinger. Yeah, no. Better than the Giants game, well, though. That was I, 31 and 32. I'll tell you what. I was planning to watch Celtics Bucks this night, but someone took a steaming dump on that last night. Yep. Mm-hmm. So let's get to that next, shall we? Thanks, Greg. See you, boys. Okay. Celtics blow the uh, in-season tournament last night in uh, Indiana. So we'll get your thoughts on that. Continue to take your football calls, of course. All of it comes your way after Murray's 90-second update. No commercials here. When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. 